You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew chapter number 14. And of course, you know, coming in, I have no idea what you guys have, have talked about lately. You always hope, I hope somebody didn't just preach on this last week. But uh, Matthew chapter 14, <clears throat> verse number 22 is where we'll start. <clears throat> it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It's I. Be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. In the Peanuts comic strips, which admittedly I haven't read a lot of, okay? This is just one illustration, all right? Uh, it was a little before my time. I mean, do they still even run those anywhere? But anyways, <clears throat> I haven't read a lot of these, but I, I liked the stories. In, in the Peanuts comic strip, Snoopy often tries to be an author. And in one particular strip, he's shown on his doghouse typing a novel. And he begins his story with, it was a dark and stormy night. That's the way he always begins his stories. Lucy comes and bluntly shouts, You stupid dog, that's the dumbest thing I've ever read. Who ever heard of such a silly way to begin a story? Don't you know that all good stories begin once upon a time? So the last frame shows Snoopy starting over, and this time he types, Once upon a time, it was a dark and stormy night. (laughs) And Snoopy is is close to the truth about life in this, that there's often times when we are going to walk through storms and darkness and trials and What I want to highlight tonight is this idea that sometimes God sends us into a storm to teach us some important lessons about faith. And I got to tell you, this this message is it's it's a very personal message for me, because these are some things that God has not not just shown me from the text, which they are from the text, I believe. But there's some things that God has, has hammered into my life over this last year and stepping out into, I mean, it was a step of faith for us to move up there and, and move from a good job that I had and take a, a small church knowing that we have to rebuild, we have to grow, or, or the church is not financially viable, financially sustainable. And so, that, you know, and moving to a place where uh, we didn't know a lot of people, and I know we're not that far away. I mean, we drive down to Brookings every now and then and see her family, but just it came with some challenges. And so, uh, again, this, this is just, these are some things that I'd like to share that God has taught me that were, that were kind of personal for me this last year. And lesson number one, uh, and I'll explain this, but from verses 22 to 27, and we'll kind of highlight those again. Lesson number one is this. It's more important to look for Jesus in the midst of the storm 
than it is to look for the end of the storm. In verses 22 to 27, what we see is that Jesus, it says he constrained. He told his disciples, he sent them. He put them on the ship and he told them to go to the other side while he was sending the multitudes away and what he was doing. And he went uh, uh, by himself to pray. It says he was there alone. The ship, it says, was in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. The wind was contrary. And it says this, that in the fourth watch of the night is when we see Jesus walking unto them. And, and you know, that's one of those things you can, you can miss. If you just, you're reading fast, you can skip over and not notice it. But I, that stuck out to me the more I studied it because I thought, well, if the fourth watch of the night, what does that mean? And I looked it up and, and there was, you know, they divided the night into to four different watches from nine to, to uh, excuse me, from six to nine and from nine to midnight, from midnight to three and then from three to six. So from three to six a.m. would be the fourth watch of the night. And so what, what am I saying? I'm saying that they had been out there for a while in the storm. They had been going through the storm for, for quite a while. God didn't immediately come to them. They had, they had been in this storm for a while. But he comes and he says, it's I, be not afraid. And God never lost sight of them. You know, Jesus might have been on the mountain praying, but, but they were never truly alone. God saw them. And God sees you. God sees you even when you feel like you're alone. God sees you when you're, you're struggling and, and, and you're wondering where he's at. You know, the disciples are out there and they're, they're, they're two watches into the night and they're thinking, uh, Jesus told us to do this. And now we're out here and, and where's he at? Does he even see us? Does he even care? Does he have any idea that we think we're about to die? And then they get into the, the third watch of the night. Where's Jesus at? Come on. It, it's, you know, and that's, it's the darkest part. They say, well, I think, I'm trying to remember what, I, what it said. Uh, but typically, I think the, the fourth watch of the night is the darkest. And, the, and especially the longest part of the night. If you've ever stayed up all night, if you've ever been out camping or something, you couldn't sleep. The, those hours from three to six, I mean, you've been through a lot of night already and, and it's just dragging on and you're thinking, when is this going to end? And so the disciples had been out there for a while and they're wondering where Jesus is at. And sometimes to us, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to make any sense when we're in the first three watches of the night of our lives or our trials, our storms. And Jesus is nowhere to be found, it seems. And we start thinking, God, are you even there? Do you, do you even care about me? I, I'm, I'm struggling out here. I'm afraid out here. I feel all alone out here. And again, I, I got to be honest, uh, you know, um, in my own walk with the Lord over this last year, there's been times where I was, uh, I, I was like, God, I, I'm struggling out here. And I don't see any way that we're going to make this happen. And God, where are you at? Do you see me? Do you care? Uh, you know, nighttime is it's lasting quite a while here. And I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how many watches into the night that you are. And I don't know if maybe your faith is starting to weaken and you're starting to wonder if you really should have listened to God when he told you, constrained you to get into the ship and go to the other side. I don't know if uh, you're starting to wonder if you should have trusted him with your decisions. I don't know what kind of storm that obeying Jesus has, has put you into. Because sometimes it does. Like I said, Jesus, he put them on this ship. He sent them into this storm. He knew it was coming. But he constrained them to get into the ship and to go to the other side. And maybe that's, I, I don't know. Maybe that's how it is in your life. The storm that you're in, you got there by following Jesus. You got there by trusting and listening to Jesus. 
and, and you followed God's leading, and now it feels like you're, you're at a dead end, you're up against it, it's the, it's the fourth watch of the night, the storm is raging, and, and it seems like God's nowhere to be found. I mean, I, I, again, I can think of my own personal struggles over the last year, and I'm sure you can think, even if you're not in a trial right now, you can at least identify with that fact uh, and, and that, that feeling of, when is it going to end? When, when, are we gonna, when is Jesus going to come? Where's he at? It's the fourth watch of the night, the storm is raging, and God is, is nowhere to be found. But, but from this, this story, I'm not saying this, this is an exact example of what it's going to look like every time. This was, you know, how it went with, with Jesus and the disciples. But I know for a fact that if we'll trust him and if we'll wait on him, we are going to hear his voice Amen. saying it's I. Amen. Yes. Be not afraid. Yes. Sometimes he calms the storm, but... Sometimes he whispers peace to our hearts in the midst of the storm. Amen. And again, remember what I said. It's more important to look for Jesus in the midst of the storm than it is to just look for the end of the storm. The end of the storm will come. Jesus often, Jesus often will bring us out of that. But he wants us to find him. Yes. He wants us to focus our hearts and our eyes on him more than just thinking, when's it going to be over? Just looking for the end, looking for the end, grasping for the end. No, he says, find me. He says, you'll find peace in the midst of it. Amen. Yeah. I identify very much, not, I shouldn't say that because the psalmist, David went through much greater trials than I'll probably ever go through. But in Psalm 55, I, I just, I've always loved this psalm. It's always kind of stuck out to me. I, um, I don't mean to read too much. I don't want to lose you by reading too much necessarily, but I'm going to read a little bit of this psalm. And I just want you to listen to some of David's words as he's, as he's going through his own storm, his own trial. He says, give ear to my prayer, O God, hide not thyself from my supplication. So, so he feels like God's hiding maybe. Attend unto me and hear me. I, I mourn in my complaint and, and I make a noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. They cast iniquity upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me. The terrors of death are fallen upon me. The terrors, fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. And he says, horror, horror has overwhelmed me. David was in a dark place. David was in a, a very dark storm. And, and this is what he said. And this is what I've identified with at times in my life. He said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. For then would I fly away and be at rest. I, I would wander off and I would remain in the wilderness, Selah. I, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. David says, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in the midst of a trial and you're just like, God, I just wish I could grow wings and I could fly away to a place of peace, to a place of solitude. I, I wish I could just get out of this, this, this constant heartache and this constant pain and this constant difficulty, or, or maybe it's just this season of doubt, this, this constant doubt, this constant wondering. Maybe it's a financial need. I, I face some of those. And you're wondering when, God, if I could just get away from it, if I could just get above it all. And that's what David wished for, him, for himself here. And, I, and again, I've identified with that. David pours his heart out to God. He says later, it wasn't an enemy. It wasn't an enemy that reproached me, came after me. I could have borne it. He, this says, this was a man, mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance, a, a friend that stabbed him in the back. But 
Ultimately, we see David come to verse 16. He says, as for me, I'll call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he'll hear my voice. He's delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. Verse 22, I love this verse as well. He says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I'm simply just using David as an example of someone that was in a storm. And how he came to, to look to God in the midst of that storm. I've, I've had some raw moments of emotion with, with God this last year. And, and again, it's been a difficult year for all of us, hasn't it? And honestly, uh, you may, if you heard some of my conversations with God, you, you might have considered me a bit irreverent. I'm not sure. But from what I see in the Psalms, David pours his heart out. He, he doesn't hold back. He, when he, he's wondering where God's at, he says, God, where are you at? Why are you hiding? And so again, I've, I've had my own moments over this last year where I've said, God, are you serious? What, what's going on? When is, when is this going to end? When is this going to get better? And, and I think God wants us to pour our hearts out to him. And so I've, I've again, this, this is personal for me. I've been discouraged. I've been frustrated. And I've said, God, where are you? And I've done my best to, to trust you and obey you and have faith in you. And you know, why are you letting me go through this when I've... I've I left my job, I followed you out here to, to the middle of nowhere, to Clark, South Dakota, and, and, and you wanted me here, but God, now it's like, I, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do, I don't know what, why you're allowing this in my life. And, and God just spoke to my heart through this story in Matthew. And I was reminded through this story that maybe there's still a few watches of the night left to go. But God is faithful. Yes. And he sees the storm. He just wants me to see him in the midst of the storm. Amen. He's not forgotten about you. He sees where you're at, but he wants you to look to him. He wants you to look for him. In this story, he's not bothered by the storm. He's walking on, on, the, on the top of the waves. And though the waves are big and the wind is howling, he's, he's completely in control. And so often when we're in the storm, all we can think about is, is finding the sunshine and the calm waters again. And we just want it to be over. But what God wants is for us to fix our eyes on him and hear his voice and trust him. Even while the storm is still raging. One of my favorite poems that I've kind of made a, just I've come back to as kind of a, um, what would you call it? Just a mantra? I don't know. Just kind of like a, a theme for my life. Um, that I read when I was younger. It goes like this. It says, I will not doubt, though all my ships at sea come drifting home with broken masts and sails. I shall believe the hand which never fails from seeming evil worketh good for me. And though I weep because those sails are battered, still will I cry while my best hopes lie shattered. I trust in thee. I will not doubt, though all my prayers return unanswered from the still white realm above. I shall believe it is an all-wise love which has refused those things for which I yearn. And though at times I cannot keep from grieving, yet the pure ardor of my fixed believing undimmed shall burn. I will not doubt though sorrows fall like rain and troubles swarm like bees about a hive. I shall believe the heights for which I strive are only reached by anguish and by pain. And though I groan and tremble with my crosses, I yet shall see through my severest losses the greater gain. Lesson number one. It's more important to look for Jesus walking on the water in the midst of the storm than it is to just keep our eyes looking for the end of the storm to come. 
Lesson number two is this. It's better to walk with Jesus. And don't worry, the last two are shorter. So. <clears throat> it's better to walk with Jesus through the storm than to be delivered from the storm. Verses 28 to 31. What am, what am I saying with this? Verses 28 to 31. Peter, Peter answered and said, Lord, if it, be thou, if it be thou, bid me come out unto thee on the water. And, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know, if God had just delivered them from the storm, which he could have, could have walked out and, and you know, made a, a display of his power while he's standing on top of the wave, you know, done another peace be still, calmed the storm. They all would have looked at him. They all would have seen his power. But yet, if he had done that, Peter never would have had, now, yes, he, he ultimately doubted, right? But for a moment, he trusted God. And he had an experience that he would not have had apart from the storm, The experience that comes from walking with Jesus in the midst of the storm is ultimately better than being rescued out of the storm. In the story of Lazarus, we see how Jesus waited three days and he allowed Lazarus to die and he allowed Mary and Martha to go through that trial, to go through that storm. And and to quote your own pastor, I wrote this down from when we were down in in Sioux City, uh, one of your messages you preached. Your pastor said this, God is love. But according to this passage about Lazarus, the ultimate expression of love is not to prevent hardship. What's best is not always easiest or quickest or what's less painful. Jesus' actions indicate that what's best is not the hardship avoided by going around, but the lessons learned by going through. He says to the intent, you may believe. He says what's best for us is is a growth of faith and that we don't get that without going through. In the end, God desires for us to go through because it increases our confidence in him. He's not necessarily interested in easier or quicker or less painful, but he's interested in putting us in situations where we have to trust him, where we have the opportunity to grow because he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to grow through it. I feel like in many ways we've lost sight of what tough love is. Uh, in America sometimes, and, and especially in our parenting styles and things like that, you know, we think love is just about appeasing, just, just giving somebody whatever they want all the time, right? That's, that's the best way I can love you. You know, if, if you, if you want to eat chocolate all day long instead of, you know, <laughs> real food, then yeah, I love you. I just want to give you what you want. And yet, I think, this is kind of a dumb illustration, but there's times when tough love is necessary. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put you through something that might be uncomfortable, that you might not like, but because it's what's best for you in the end. And I think most parents understand that. I mean, I'm incredibly thankful for, for parents, for mentors that loved me enough to, to let me go through some pain and some hard times. I, I really, really am because real love, it sees beyond the immediate Real love sees the effects of things in the long run. And uh, it's not a story I always tell, but I was engaged once before I met my wife. And, and my parents came to me, and, and it was a tough, they said, they said we, we see some problems here. And, and we don't think this is best for you. And in fact, they said, you can make your own decision. You know, you're, 
I was 19 years old, I can't remember, 19, 20 years old, and um, they said, you know, you can make your own decision here, but they said, we, we won't give our blessing, we won't support it, we won't get behind you in this marriage, we, you know, we just, we see some problems here, and we want you to, to take our, our, our counsel on this, and take our advice, and, um, you know, it, it was a tough decision that they knew was going to hurt me, I mean, now, obviously now it means nothing, I'm incredibly thankful for my wife, but, but if, I, if I go back in time, I remember I remember the hurt and I remember the, the heartache of that moment. I mean, I was 21 years old. I, uh, 21, okay, that's in my notes. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I thought I had my whole life planned out. And if you've, been, if you've been in a situation similar, you know what it's like. I mean, you wrap your whole identity up in, in a relationship like that. I just, I thought I knew exactly where I was going, exactly what I was doing, exactly who I was marrying, and phew, everything just fell apart. <laughs> and, My parents understood, though, that a little bit of pain now was better than a lifetime of pain and brokenness from from marrying the wrong person. And and I can tell you, I dodged a bullet there. That's all I'll say. (laughs) So um, I'm thankful for that. And Jesus, he exercises some tough loves with us at times. That's what I'm getting at. Because he knows that it's better to walk with him through the storm than to be rescued out of it. Jesus, he loves us enough to put us in the storm sometimes because he sees how it's going to help us in the long run. Lesson number three is this. It's more important to know that Jesus is the son of God than to be kept out of the storms. I know these three points relate kind of a little bit, but you'll see my distinction here, okay? In verse 32 and 33, it says, And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. We're convinced of a truth. Thou art the Son of God. And I think the key there is in verse 33. He wanted them to know that of a truth, he was the Son of God. And if he's the Son of God, then not only can they have faith in him uh, to watch over them through the storms on the seas of Galilee. Not just can they trust him to care about them and want to do what he can to help them. But if he's the Son of God... They can trust him with every detail of their life. And they can trust him with their eternity. And Jesus, he could have chosen not to send them into the storm. He he knew what was coming. He could have said, look, I I love you guys. I don't want you. I know how hard this storm is going to be on you. And I I don't want you to have to go through it. I don't want you to be afraid when the storm comes. I love you. So I'm just going to, I'm going to let you stay here where it's warm and safe and comfortable. But it was more important to see That Jesus was the son of God. That Jesus was the Messiah. That Jesus was all powerful than it was to be kept out of the storm. Jesus, he he knows that we don't like storms. (laughs) He sees us when we feel alone, when we feel afraid, when we feel confused. And, And it's not that he doesn't care. It's that learning to trust him in a greater way is more important in the long run than a life free of storms. We want things to be easy and comfortable and we, we somehow we start to doubt God's love when it's not, when he doesn't give us easy and comfortable. But get this, the end result of people believing that Jesus was the son of God was more important than keeping them out of the storm. That's good. Yeah. Jesus, he, he wants you to know that he has all power, that he is the son of God, that he's the Messiah. And as such, he has the power to save you from your sins, not just save you from a storm. That's what's most important. See, without him, we're all on our way to hell. And nothing is more important than bringing people to Jesus as the son of God. 
not just as the rescuer out of storms. If it takes a few storms in my life to bring a couple more people to Jesus as as the Son of God, to bring a couple more people to faith where their their eyes are opened and they're turned from darkness to light, that they receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. If it takes a couple storms, a couple four watches of the night into a storm in my life to bring somebody else to Jesus, then so be it. Send me into the storms. It's more important to see that Jesus is the Son of God than it is to be rescued out of a storm. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally, don't leave without recognizing who he is. Not just the, not just the storm rescuer, but the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who can save you from your sins. Christians, what about you? Are you going through some storms in your life? Like I said, it's been a tough year. Have you felt alone and desperate and wondering where Jesus is at times? Remember these lessons from the storm. They're they're nothing revolutionary. Like I said, I'm just a simple guy. But these, these stuck out to me and these helped me this year. It's more important to look for Jesus in the middle of the storm, while it's going on, while it's raging, than to look for the end of the storm. It's better to walk with him through the storms and learn the lessons and get the experiences that that come from the storm than to be delivered from them. And it's more important to know that Jesus is the Son of God than to be kept out of the storm. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. Pastor, I'm going to let you take the invitation time. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.